Around the NFL Podcast. Can't wait for the Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is our Pro Bowl preview episode. Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. I'm in a virtual room, and possibly still in a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. That's right, Mark. And you had, you had hinted that you were going to have a Wi-Fi issue. Uh, well, now we've lured you into this podcast, and we're going to go deep dive on AFC v. NFC. Well, you, you uh, bait and switched me because Greg even <clears throat> went through the problem of coming up with um, six or seven news items that I spent a ton of time you know, researching, mm. but we're talking Pro Bowl. What a manufactured <laughs> joke. I had to check uh, our old site, NFLgesus.com, um, to make sure it is NFC, AFC, because as much as like that makes sense, and I get it. I was more of a Team Sanders guy, uh, and I, I know like Team Sanders, Team Irvin, no longer with us. But I just, I kind of wish they would just keep it that way. That was when the Pro Bowl, to me, was at its peak. Team Sanders. If you want to, well, they've done a really. I have to say, they've done a really excellent job uh, cultivating the archive uh, on our website. So there's probably no way to find it. But once upon a time, I was tasked with doing a live diary of the Pro Bowl draft, the first ever. It was oh, Rice yeah. versus Dion. And Jerry Rice had one of the worst drafts that you could possibly comprehend. It, that's one of the only things I remember. I also remember they did a, a stand-up live hit that they threw it to at one point, And it was, I don't know who it was, maybe Irvin or, or Mooch. And they were by this, like, rocky uh, sea where the waves were crashing upon the jetty. And it was like, <laughs> oh, my God, these guys are going to get swept into the ocean and killed at the Pro Bowl live draft telecast. Utterly needless way to die. I, I couldn't. It would be a terrible way to go out. There is now was that the same draft that um, Henry Hodgson almost ended uh, someone's career in the newsroom and was very angry. It was very right. memorable. He killed yeah. a man and got away with it uh, for not quite having the live draft on the website going at, in the time or as live as Henry wanted it to be. But handsome Hank is one of those guys. He's he's handsome. He's charming. He's British. But if you get on the wrong side of him, look out. Right. Look out. He's, he's also going to be commissioner in a couple of years. So the power, his, his ex- external power continues to grow uh, by leaps and bounds. So I do my best to stay on his, um, on his good side. Right. And in this case, he was on, on the, the side of the righteous because he was uh, removing a, a thorn in everyone's side from yeah. that newsroom. So ultimately, someone's. I mean, sometimes it, it takes a man like Henry to step up in that situation. All right. I don't know. I don't know if that was necessary uh, context, <laughs> but I guess it helps out Henry ultimately. It was the. It was that true. Person could I be mean, listening. I, it was true. I was on his wait, side wait, that that night and beyond. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is that? I think it is. That's Connie Fox's music. Look at this. That's right. There's a wolf in the podcast studio. We're, we're at what home. Are you, this, wait a second. This is some epic bullshit right here. First of all, Colleen, I'm so happy to see you. Welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast. Always a joy. But you're doing it from the Chris Wessling podcast studio, the very studio that me and the boys have been banned from for going on a month now. This this is an issue. This This could be a, this could be a civil lawsuit. I'll leave it there. Yeah, not, not only that, um, I'm doing it from the studio. I'm doing the show from your chair, Dan, where you sit. Oh. So I'm just keeping it warm for you, buddy. 
Ow. I mean, does that feel just to you, Colleen? Do you feel um, good about the way this is, the, you know, the way you proceeded here? I think that this feel, I feel very comfortable in, in this situation, in this seat. <laughs> the lighting it's, is great. It feels nice. Yeah, the lighting is great. There's people buzzing around. I don't know why you guys aren't here. You should come check out the studio. It's beautiful. Love what I you've have, done with the place. Listen, I understand we are, we continue almost impossibly for two years running to be in the grips of a global pandemic and everyone's trying to do the right things. But I, I think it's time for the boys to get back in that studio. Greg, what do we have to do? Is there a shadowy league figure door we have to knock on? Do we have to go see uh, Dr. Sills? Like what do we need to do to be together again in the Chris mm. Wessling podcast studio? Maybe like just set up a little desk next to the desk or extend the desk. You know, I think that's mm. that's it. Because remember that one week you weren't you weren't there. Mark and I got to do it. The desk big enough for two people, not for three. Um, <laughs> I feel like we could figure this out. We will try. Connie, how are you? It is uh, Super Bowl week, uh, almost. It's the Super Bowl bye week, and um, how you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. I'm getting my energy up for this week. I was just taping a show, Super Bowl countdown show in studio with David Carr. Talked to Lamar Jackson and Stefan Diggs. Uh, I didn't know we were talking about the Pro Bowl today, so uh, that's some good breaking news. I'm excited about that. Going to bring a lot of perspective um, for that topic. But guys, I've missed you. It's great to see you. Great to be back on the show. And I'm excited to hang out with you guys this weekend. It's going to be great. Yes, it is going to be excellent um, to be together. We can't be together right now, but this weekend we'll be all together uh, celebrating Chris Wessling on the year anniversary of his passing. Uh, obviously uh, sad, uh, but also it's it's nice to be together. And uh, we're going to do a lot of the things, Mark, uh, on Saturday that were the hallmarks of the, the great times we had with Chris when he was with us. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like we all think so much of Chris every single day, but one of the enduring um, concepts that Wes brought to my life was that when you hang out on a Saturday, you do something that is extremely memorable every time, and it is never anything but original. Wes was one of the better hangs um, on planet Earth, so we will, we will do it in his honor. Hmm. Absolutely. So, by the way, before we get into the show, we got a lot to get to there's some news obviously the bombshell involving brian flores dropped right in the middle of our tuesday show so we'll get some updates where that story is uh from tuesday afternoon to right now when we tape uh mid-afternoon on the east coast after 12 here so we're gonna uh check in on that story um also uh, a head coach hiring on the way in Minnesota, and it's not the guy that we kind of thought it was going to be a day ago. And also, this will be fun, um, thinking like when you you look forward, you spin forward into the offseason. Uh, we, we're very close to Hollywood. Connie, right now you're technically in the district uh, park called Hollywood Park. Mm-hmm. And we are... If you are where I live on a hill, you could see the Hollywood sign. So we are we're not in the middle of it all, but we're near the glitz and the glamour. Right. So what if you viewed the off seasons of upcoming team of teams, upcoming off seasons through the lens of Hollywood? And one of the things in the business, my wife works in the business, is securing the rights to tell a team's story. And you got to get in early. You got to get in. You know, somebody got in early on the Kirk Warner story. And that thing went all the way to the theaters. And Mark's going to give a full review 
uh, Super Bowl week. I mean, early. It happened 20 years after the real-life events, but um, they were the first ones to nab it, correct? So we're going to get in on the ground floor with uh, (laughs) telling. Some of this is projecting. We're using our football knowledge. What are going to be the best stories of the offseason, the teams that are going to be the most exciting and are going to bring box office? So that's coming up later. We're going to put on our studio honcho hair pieces and giant cigars and uh, dark pasts hidden away. It's good. I already have my hair piece on, so (laughs) perfect. Dan, Dan, did you get a hair? Dan always gets a haircut about like 11 days before the Super Bowl. He likes to talk about the magic window. So that would mean you've already gotten yours? Yes, I, very good, Greg. See, that's good. That's, that's a personal side of you connected to me knowing things about me because our well, relationship is going on. For I've also years noticed years you, you've shaved, you've shaved, you, which I makes shaved, you look more up. like your young sons. It's time, it's time to come out of the wilderness of the end of the regular season. Uh, so Papa Bear is coming out of the cave and trying to clean things up a little bit. And uh, thank you for noticing. Uh, my boys noticed. You have noticed. Others have noticed. My wife has still not noticed that I shaved. <laughs> I, I think that we, I mean, I noticed it too, but I have, you and Greg are such um, indestructible bedfellows that, of course, you know, he would, he would verbalize it first. <laughs> Is there, I, we got so much to get to, but Mark, I, I think you would uh, handle this sense, with, with sensitivity. Can you send a message to my wife for not noticing that I got shaved, mm. like I shaved down here? Like, what's going on here? Uh, I will handle that. Yes. I will handle that right after the show ends. Just have twenty clowns show up yeah. at Dan's house. You're like you're like Jim Harbaugh. You just you just want to be wanted. Just just he likes so true. You, know, you want more attention. All right. So this is um, I know I mentioned Super Bowl already. We got Bengals. Who are they playing? The Rams. Mark's favorite team. Bengals Rams. Super Bowl Fifty Six a week from Sunday, and we're going to get into that and dive deep next week with. Three shows from Radio Row in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, it's going to be sick. And then Sunday night, the flagship show, the final show of the season, where we break down everything that happened in the game. I don't know if anybody had anything they wanted to share about the Super Bowl, because uh, I'm about to shut down the term Super Bowl mm. for the rest of this episode. Uh, penalty is loss of limb. If you even reference mm. uh, Super Bowl, anybody have anything to say about the game so far? I know it's been a little quiet on both fronts. Uh, understandably so i just want to say super bowl you know just get get out of my system just feels good super bowl super bowl super bowl Super Bowl. i do like that the bengals have to practice at the university of cincinnati this week because they don't have an indoor facility and they're gonna be playing the super bowl indoors and it's it's cold there in cincinnati it it, if if wes was here he would know uh some things about the bengals still haven't changed it's it's 2021 your your billion dollar uh nfl franchise how about we go get an indoor facility to practice at? That's fair. Maybe maybe the increased <laughs> revenues that comes with being a winner and having a franchise quarterback and going to a Super Bowl, maybe the Mike Brown uh, family will Sorry. string together I shouldn't be dollars. focusing on the negative. It's a beautiful time. Uh, it's a beautiful time <laughs> in Cincinnati. All right, let's lock it up. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Hey, Ricky, mm-hmm. uh, let's send the Super Bowl downstairs to the basement. That's good. But let's, that, let's keep going. Let's take it a little further. Put it behind it. Uh, want to put it in a bank vault? Yes, please. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Why don't we uh, put it behind a door? Target locked. 
Oh, that was the ocular cavity access drop. Very good. So we have this thing buried. There is no conversation about the Super Bowl. I just did it. (laughs) I thought it was in the sub basement. Come on. You blew it. You blew it. So this is, yeah, and those were the the sound effects that that you were having right before the show. Right in that clean shaven cheek. Actually, wait, Dan, if you had to lose a limb, which limb would you lose first? Uh, Ooh, good. Pinky toe. Pinky toe. Does that count? That's is that a limb? One. That's not a yeah. limb. No, that counts. Oh, I thought you meant it oh, uh, that doesn't count as appendage. That's, a, that's like a lower digit. I mean, that's a... That's kind of what I had in mind in terms of penalties, but I guess since I said limb... Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's got to be an arm or a leg then? Maybe we can decide for you. Yeah, I, I'll, I'm, fi- I'll, I'll I'm fine with toe, Dan. You know, I noticed your hair, your... Hey, Mark. I, I, just, I only buddy. want to take the toe off. Dude, you're the best, buddy. All right, let's do some news. And let's start with a story that rocked the NFL. The day after announcing his lawsuit against the league, Giants, Dolphins, and Broncos, Brian Flores has now elaborated on his allegations of discrimination, racial discrimination, and unethical practices involving uh, certain figures in the league. And he was on CBS's morning show, Flores was, uh, on Wednesday, and Nate Burleson, our former colleague, asked how it felt to be uh, part of what Flores alleges was a sham process during the interview with the New York Giants. How did that make you feel, knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might have already been made? It was a range of emotions. Uh, humiliation, uh, uh, disbelief, um, uh, anger, um, I've worked so hard to get to to um, to where I am from uh, in football to become a head coach. Um, put 18 years in, in this league, and it was uh, uh, to 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 go on at what was going to be a what, what felt like or what was a sham interview. I was uh, I was hurt. Uh, after Flores filed his lawsuit, the NFL issued a statement saying it had no merit, but. Um, That, according to ESPN, was only connected to the accusations of discrimination in hiring processes. The ESPN source said the league will investigate allegations that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, offered Flores money to lose games and tank the Dolphins 2019 season to get the number one overall pick, which would have been Joe Burrow. So, Greg, um, where are you on this story? What, What do you feel like we've learned since Tuesday to now? I think Cameron Wolf's reporting, um, who, who's now with us at the NFL Network, we've had him on the show, the Wolf Pack, in effect, with Colleen and Cameron. Um, he, he's had some reporting where he, he talked to a witness who said he heard Stephen Ross say those words. So that that is providing more evidence into the investigation that is a little easier to see the NFL following through to the utmost degree in the in the in the coming weeks and months if they were to find that is true and Stephen Ross came out with a very strong statement uh saying it was all malicious lies and uh that that's gonna be a big story that we follow for a while Wolf said that uh there's or Flores's team rather said that they have corroborating evidence uh including messages from the general manager Chris Greer so that goes to the integrity of the game which I think was very pointed that he he put that item and the Broncos item into 
the lawsuit because it, it made it bigger than than just trying to prove the discrimination, which which the Belichick text obviously will will assist him in doing that and really makes it bigger. And it comes very specifically after one owner, Stephen Ross, who who, like I said, it took him almost two days, but did release a statement around midnight on Wednesday, Miami time. I think it's interesting, too, um, that when you look at Hugh Jackson coming out and he sort of backtracked uh, the claim that the Browns offered him money to lose games. He went on SportsCenter and said basically the way that the team was built, there was no chance to win at a high level. But I thought that that was really interesting when those reports first came out that Hugh Jackson was also in a situation where he was being offered money to tank. I mean, this is just so incredibly messy for everyone involved. And watching Brian Flores on ESPN and on these various outlets, I just see a man that was driven to the absolute brink. And he is obviously to a point where he's willing to risk it all just to get the story out there, just to maybe help inspire some type of change for people to come after him. Well, he really thought he had the Giants job, right? Yeah. Right. He he really thought he had the Giants job. And once I got to read all the details, that that was part of it is he, he really thought he had an inside track there based on things someone in the front office had told him there. Uh, and he said that was his dream job, essentially working for the Giants and the way it, it flipped, essentially, when Joe Shane became the general manager. Also mm-hmm. points out something we kind of talked about, like, why are they doing these interviews without the general manager? Um, it just is sort of a confusing uh, way to go about it. They sort of did these p- preliminary interviews. And so that that I think that was part of it, the the heartbreak of that, how that Giants thing played out. And it'll be interesting, too, like Belichick will be asked about this eventually and whether he's going to need to cooperate if it ever does go to a civil trial. Like, that's a long way down the line. I, yeah, I mean, I want to I, I want to know how Belichick got that information. I mean, we all do. And I, I, I think with, like, you look at the Broncos situation because John Elway came out um, very strongly to say, hold on, um, your your perception of that interview um, is not the same as mine. And, you know, Elway was described as disheveled um, in the suit, uh, you know, during that Broncos interview. And, you know, w- the more we're learning that the, that Denver um, w- didn't get into Providence, Rhode Island for that interview till two in the morning. I think they had been interviewing Mike Munchak for the job back in 2019, the day before. And um, so Elway kind of came up with, here's why I maybe presented myself that way to you, but we'd been through a long day. That said, I mean, my takeaway for Brian, from Brian Flores through all of this is that um, this is one of the biggest sports stories um, that we'll ever deal with because if real change comes through this, and you know, there's always, it's, there's a reason to be suspicious of the owners in general that real change is not happy, happily ha- coming easy to them on this front, and it's, it's not happened. But Brian Flores... Um, this is not just trying to get back at someone or be vindictive at all. I mean, he talked over and over about change. And just my takeaway from him getting to know him more through these interviews is that he is putting his entire career and life on the line for this. And it's for other coaches. And I like I just I see someone who genuinely believes what he's doing. And, I, and that's how I do think that the NFL could be changed forever um, coaching practice wise because Rooney rule, like the way it came in and the way it's being used and X, Y, and Z, it's just simply not working. There, and there Flores huge, is finally going for it. There are two huge stories here, obviously. So one, and they're both massive in terms of the NFL. One is uh, the hiring practices and, and all the issues 
and problems that continue to plague the NFL in that realm. And then there is the competitive issue and the uh, the talk of tanking and paying a coach to make the team lose. And then Hugh Jackson, who was involved with one of the worst teams in all, of all time with the Browns when they went, what were they, 1-31 or whatever it was, over uh, two seasons. He comes out and he says, uh, it doesn't hide behind anything, he says, allegedly, he says that he was, the same thing was done. Basically, he was being told by ownership, it's okay to lose because we're trying to build towards something. And I just think that is, I don't know how they fix, how they fix the issue with hiring the right people in uh, head coaches and front offices because it is a thorny issue and there's a lot of layers to it. And that's something the NFL is going to have to look in the mirror on and, and ask some hard questions and figure out some answers. This other side, of this is the one that's like, whoa. I mean, this could be lead to owners exiting the picture. This could lead to major sanctions against various teams. And you wonder, as we peel back the layers of the onion here, uh, if the story is just, just going to keep ballooning. We've talked about it in broad terms for years, and it's not just the NFL. The idea of tanking and how teams are trying to lose uh, to get that hot shot coming into the draft to rebuild the organization. But what ha- what would happen if there was actually proof that teams are doing it and monetary rewards for losing? Meanwhile, the fan, the big loser in all this is the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this is true, you're charging the fans the same amount of money you are if, if they're trying to win or as if you're actively trying to put a losing product on the field and asking people to pay $200 for a ticket and $80 for parking and 200 for concessions. Like this, this is massive. Well, I think we would learn a lot more, too, if it gets to the point where this lawsuit moves to the discovery phase. And then that's when it really gets messy. But also a starting point for moving in the right direction and changing some of these hiring practices that we've seen is how about a a black owner in the NFL? I mean, that's that's probably one of the main things that needs to happen to have that representation at the absolute highest level. And then another thing I just want to clarify real quick. Are we saying that like Bill Belichick is saying that he got the wrong information? Um, But when you look at the text messages, I think it's clearly that Belichick just texted the wrong Brian. Yeah, because he, got, he, he says got, that right. he got confused. Okay, he got right. confused. Just making sure it, that this was totally Belichick for do, I, I was for mixing up the Brian. Right, I surprised. Right, I, I was surprised that people were like, "Well, how would Belichick even know?" It's like, well, what are we talking about here? Like Bill Belichick. Every, they're all in the same industry. Coaches all talk to each other and it's not like he's like reporting it on a national level, but whoever he's talking to, like they're all, they all work together. He's in the middle of hiring offensive staff, defensive staff. Like it's a, it's a network of people who talk and he had clearly had information probably from, you know, a very high level that, that he believed like he, he knew what was happening there and he, and he, he uh, sent the wrong text, and it is interesting because I think without that text, not, none of this is happening. That is the, the most, but he, that's the most granite piece of evidence right and that's there. and that's really the focus i think it's key when you look at the 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 lawsuit you know it starts talking about black history month and and everything to do with the black coach and that's really the focus and that's what started this and i think his anger and hurt about the giants thing started it and then while he's there you can imagine brian flores and, and you could hear him talk about it in these interviews um how upsetting it was to be offered that, that money you, you know what he's alleging that he's held on to that for a while and that 
you know, now that he's do, doing the coaches, he, he, he went for the whole thing. And I think it's instructive, Mark, as you said, that the, the statement was reportedly about the coaching hiring and that our reporter, Ian Rappaport, you know, said that an investigation is expected into the competitive uh, accusations. I mean, there has, there has to be, right? Right. Yeah. But, that's, <laughs> but that's instructive I mean, that right off the bat that that is, is hitting a different bell inside the league office. It, it, we should note that he is um, Brian Flores is, is a finalist um, along with Jonathan Gannon and Josh McCown for the Texans job. I mean, I it would you'd like to see Brian Flores, who is a very talented coach, still get a chance to be a head coach. I hope that's the other side of this. He's acknowledged, you know, this may end my chance to do that, and he he loves coaching football. And it's like it shouldn't, but it that the way this league works, you never but know. The the general the general takeaway out of all this is that Brian Flores is forfeiting a chance to be a head coach again in the NFL. And that certainly is possible. I think it would be, obviously it would be a positive sign if, if he was hired because he is, uh, and I mean hired now because he is obviously qualified for the job. And what he's bringing up is, are the very same issues that we've talked about on this show with Steve Weish, who's been incredibly informed and sharing information on this for a long time. He's just bringing it up in a, a, a much more broad uh, way that shines a spotlight on the issue. Um, so we'll see. He is a finalist. You're right. They announced that. So is, does he have a chance to get a job? I don't know. Is he out of the league completely? It's certainly a possibility. It was a bold gambit. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, all right. Let's check in on what else is going on in our league. The Minnesota Vikings, huh? How about that? Weird. The Minnesota, I don't know, did you guys read, there is, speaking of um, The Athletic, did we bring up The Athletic? I don't know. I, Chad when Graff, did that happen? I don't I mean, know. We did last show, and I, I just consider any time in between shows is kind of a waste of time. Our did lives it, are lived on air. Right. right. Did anyone um, read the piece from Chad Graff and John Krasinski uh, on the Vikings head coach Yes, Sir, it is tremendous. I, I it is it, very well, very well done. That yeah. is that is great work. Um, and it tells the story with inside nuggets from people that were inside the building or connected directly yesterday. How it all happened with Jim Harbaugh, who um, I think the general vibe from us and many others was that, OK, Harbaugh's flying to Minnesota. There's reports out there that when he left Michigan, it was kind of like a goodbye. This is a done deal. But the real story of this, uh, Mark, as you know, is that Jim Harbaugh was never quite the leader in the clubhouse. In fact, the Vikings, during a very thorough search to replace Mike Zimmer, they were a little bit spooked by the idea after a taskmaster, a guy that was kind of a hard ass in Zimmer, was finally moved out of the building. Do you want to bring in another guy that has kind of an edge to him, especially after they flew to L.A. and interviewed Kevin O'Connell, who blew them away, and, and and that's ultimately where they decide. They never even offered Harbaugh a contract. Yeah, I mean, they talk about, you know, literal line from the article was that Harbaugh arrived at the Vikings headquarters early in the morning, brimming with his trademark confidence. And, it, you know, there was a sense that, I think for Vikings fans, that, you know, you're getting Jim Harbaugh in the building, maybe this this is just um, a coronation. That, they, that Of course he's going to get the job, and these other names don't mean anything. Um, but they made it clear to him 
abundantly clear. It said that Harbaugh was coming in to compete with the other guys for the job, and they had really already been super sold on Kevin O'Connell. They loved him. So it was not this, um, it wasn't like those interviews had no meaning. They absolutely did. And they, I think the, the questions they started to ask him, um, led them as a group, the search committee, in a direction where maybe they were just not comfortable with the concept of Jim Harbaugh on all fronts. It said sometime around 3 p.m., for reasons that are not exactly clear, things started to take a left turn. The tenor started to change, and if there was any momentum at Harbaugh's back as he tried to secure the job, it disappeared. So it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever had a job that you thought you'd get. Um, you went for that last interview, and somehow you don't get it. I mean, I typically nail these things, but um, you know, it doesn't always happen to everyone. You can lose it in an interview, and I think that Harbaugh probably did not think that someone named Kevin O'Connell was going to come and influence the way he did. I mean, they, it seems like they found their guy despite Harbaugh. For Jim Harbaugh to interview on National Signing Day, 1,000% he thought that he had this job. There is no world, no (laughs) way that he is flying to Minnesota and and risking losing the job and having everybody see him lose the job. Like, this is a man who's super proud. Why why would he do that on such an important day on the college calendar, too? And there there were reports that... He was telling his recruits that he might be gone and sort of being transparent about that. So I think for me, clearly Jim Harbaugh wants to maybe leave college and get back into the NFL. But I really thought I think that he thought he had this in the bag. Right. Yeah. I mean, he 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 works for the, you know, the University of Michigan and people there thought he was leaving. The Wolverine.com, which is, you know, I guess a, a, a premier, the premier website essentially covering Michigan football. I guess. Was gone. So, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a better one out there. But it's, it's the Wolverine prominent. or nothing. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's prominent. Uh, and I saw other places kind of running with this, too, of like, well, if the Wolverine says so, he's gone. Uh, and they said he was gone because he started saying some goodbyes. And he's just like uh, assuming that he has the job and whether that – was right or not i mean it something happened espn reported that he sh- that essentially he acted like a guy who thought he didn't really have to interview for the job either like he kind of just showed up so and and was expecting to get it and that 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 created an awkwardness th- and i was reading between the lines a little bit mark in that piece and there the, when they talk about uh the search committee met with o'connell and he, they were blown away. He had studied the team's roster from the previous season. He came prepared with ideas on how to improve the team and was able to offer a nuanced review of quarterback Kirk Cousins, whom he coached for one season in Washington. I'm reading between the lines, it almost feels like Harbaugh just like rolled in with some you know big energy, big blank energy, and maybe when they said, all right, what's your plan? He's like, well, I'm Jim Harbaugh. Go look at my resume. Absolutely. I think that I think to what Colleen and Greg said, that's exactly the case that, you know, these days you have to go in with Kevin O'Connell did what you should do in an interview, have a dense, you know, thought out plan for the people that are on your roster. that you are going to be taking over in a week or so. And he had that. And Harbaugh just said, look at me. I've already done this. I'm rolling in and being Jim Harbaugh. It's like, that's not going to quite cut it. And their new GM had worked with Harbaugh in San Francisco. They asked some pointed questions about what happened at the end of that run because it got ugly. And like, what happens to the Vikings in the Jim Harbaugh experience 
not in year one or year two when things tend to go well, but when you start to get grumpy and angry and um, at wanting, it's starting to have a wandering eye, that's where the Jim Harbaugh experience goes south. And I don't think he was able to answer those questions. It probably became more tense and uncomfortable. And I just wish I had been able to, been able to see it. It sounds that's uh, hard quite, knocks. quite delightful. Yeah. Give me that for hard knocks behind the scenes. Uh, the wandering really. eye part of this, too, I think is really interesting because now he goes back to Michigan with everybody knowing that he has this wandering eye and that the it wasn't reciprocated. It was not. Right. Oh, he was trying like, to get out. Oh. It was the, like he assumed he was getting an NFL job to do all this stuff. He let his defensive coordinator go to his brother, John, in Baltimore. That that was part of it, too. He thought this was going to happen. And the, and the Dolphins. Are, are a little part of this. And there's there's some conspiracy theories out there. I, I don't know if I'm going to believe him or not. But Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, said publicly, because he is one of the biggest you know Michigan donors and backers, he's a Michigan grad, that he would not be the guy to take Harbaugh from Michigan because he didn't he didn't want he didn't want to do that to his college. Now, he was the guy who tried to har- hire Harbaugh in the same cycle uh, that he ended up going to the 49ers way back, struck out, didn't didn't happen. And it's it's just fascinating because some people think that's a marriage that that would happen if not for what's happening now or that Ross didn't want to make that look bad with Michigan. Meanwhile, our guy Ian Rapport reported that it really that it was Tom Brady who was set to meet Brian Flores on that boat with with ownership in Miami. And again, a Michigan alum, so you can sort of you know connect the dots all there, and it's just like all this stuff is swirling together, and it is a, a wild Steve- pre-Super Bowl week. <laughs> but but Stephen Ross saying that he didn't want to like mess up the whole relationship, the Jim Harbaugh and everything he had going on at Michigan Miami. for him to come to Miami. That feels Miami. not true. Like why that's either coming from Harbaugh not wanting to go there or Stephen Ross not actually wanting him because if Harbaugh's doing interviews with teams like the Vikings, obviously the want was there. Well, these guys always tell the truth, so I, you know, <laughs> I just believe it at face Also, value. there is a, you know, a sea change in the NFL and there's a 36-year-old offensive hot shot connected to Sean McVay and all this stuff. That carries a lot of weight and I know Harbaugh has a ton of success, but he's an eccentric 58-year-old guy. I think the league is just getting younger at the position. Mm. Um uh, young GM too. I think that yeah. seems awkward, like an awkward fit, a guy who's a first-time uh, GM and Adolfo Mensa and and Harbaugh trying to work together. We we should talk O'Connell because like he's an interesting guy. You mentioned he worked with Cousins. He, Cousins had a good year with him. He was his quarterbacks coach in 2017 in Washington. Went to the Pro Bowl. One of the better Kirk Cousins seasons. Never been a, a play caller though. You know, was drafted. I remember when. Patriots fans were furious that uh, the team drafted him in the third round because people were like, why are you burning third round picks on backups? They ended up doing that a million times with Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Mallett. And that just was sort of their thing that they did. But O'Connell was the first one. And it's just it's insane that he was like a bat. He was supposed to be the backup to Tom Brady, like eight seasons into his career. And yet he's now a head coach in the NFL. It does, you know, point out some of these guys rise pretty quickly. And I, I think that's why, you know, some of the blackhead coaches that have been around longer or had bigger experience get upset when when someone like O'Connell kind of skips to the head of the line. All right. In other news, yes, it is indeed the Washington Commanders. After 87 years with the former name, there were two years as the Washington football team, which will never, for me, 
ever be anything other than the stupidest thing in the history of the NFL. The franchise announced Wednesday morning that its new name would be the Commanders. It also unveiled the new logo and uniforms. So, yes, Joe Theismann, you know, he did give it away. You blew it! And, I, I, and since, we're, since we're talking about Joe Theismann, it, it, I don't know, Connie, if you listened to Tuesday's show, but... Uh, I did. Uh, Joe had some real trenchant thoughts on commanders, so listen up. A lot of commanders in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon. That's true. I mean, that, that, that's <laughs> it. It's hard to argue. That's... <laughs> you can't argue heard, it. I heard Sessler go pretty hard on the Pentagon. Oh, so came should... after the Pentagon hard. Play that's that not quote even again. controversial. Like, Play it again. Acting like the Pentagon is, you know, writing poetry and looking, doing nice things Play it all again, the time, Ricky. please. A lot of commanders in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon. <laughs> Once again, Mark, there's no, there's nothing saying the Pentagon is this paragon of purity. They, they, he merely mentions that commanders reside within the Pentagon's walls. A lot of commanders Those, in Washington D.C. Yeah. in the Pentagon. Was I too critical of of the goings on inside the Pentagon? Is I just that, say be careful. Word? Potentially. Be careful. I mean, it's you know. You're a conspiracy just lock theory your guy. Doors for right. sure. he's, still, he's still upset because he thinks, suggests that, he thinks they took out you know JFK, so he's upset. It's, no, no, no. That's that. That's just reducing it down to something. You know, that's that's folly. I mean, there, there is, there's nothing but a continual drumbeat of the Pentagon doing things that are suspicious, along with things that we can wave our flag about too. If you want to do that, I mean, it's, there is, there's, you know. there is something about it. Just it's random. Uh, Roto Pat Pat Doherty for at Roto World, who I like a lot. He said he said it sounded like who I, I like a lot. Yeah, Not we all. Like, I also like enjoy him. We yeah, all Greg, like a lot. Greg likes him. Cool, yeah. Greg. I said, I said, we like him. Uh, oh, no, I meant, you know, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. Maybe you're big anti-Rotopat. Remember when we did our fantasy spectacular and I said we got to get Rotopat on the show? Yes, yeah, that so was good. good. I believe that I either backed you or actually came up with that idea on my own. So I don't, he, he wrote I that the, the commander sounds like the first team to hold the XFL and USFL championships <laughs> simultaneously. That's something up for me, where, which DC my issue. The Pentagon. I think it's it's. It's very easy. Uh, that's a great tweet. But it's very easy for the old standard, like whether it's a uniform change or a team name. Uh, oh, man, that's like a fake name from a football movie. It's like, well, yeah, it kind of is. I'm more annoyed with you can't shorten it. Mm-mm. How no, are we going to no. shorten this thing? To, because yeah. because the other Commandos. This, not, this is not funny, but it's like they're already be called the Washington commies, which is a mixed message in terms the comms, of comms, you know, right. The comms. So, it's just not going to be a great look when they finish last in the division and their name is the Commanders. Like, right. they're not going to be commanding yeah. well, a whole lot. Do you think less of Giants record. now? Like, large, giant people now that the Giants are, like, the worst team in the NFC? Someone noted, though, it's the longest name. Washington Commanders is 20, uh, it's 20 letters. That's, too many characters. you got to put that those characters in in a headline. It's a lot. That's now, a lot what's the battle cry? In Washington, D.C. in the Pentagon. I get it, Joe. Joe, we get it. You right. educated us through this whole process. And finally, we, we should mention, by the way, uh, what a what, week for the What NFL. is this, while, the Greg Rosenthal we should mention episode? No, well, <laughs> while, while we're talking commanders. Way to mess up his transition again, Greg. It, but it, I, I, I should have before the show uh, oh, yeah. mentioned that, that Dan Snyder, the, yeah, their owner, had to put out a, a lengthy press release uh, denying new allegations of sexual misconduct directly against him. Um that came out in a press conference this week. So it, it, that was time specifically with this name change, but uh, it's, it's an insane, it's a, 
quite a week that he had well, to release that. And, and it, Greg, it's I don't, not going to end there either. I don't make light of the, the it sounds, no. you know, you take that with, with, with gravity, the whole thing. But it was a cheerleader, as I mentioned, in our sandwich props prior to the season that, um, you know, unfurled the, the allegations against Dan Slater. So just that's, that only backs up my um, sandwich prop, which I already won because a cheerleader already had been involved in pro- problems. Wait, what is wrong the, with you? What do you mean? <laughs> you, didn't I, you get your sandwich? Yeah, I'm saying, but it even so it, you're just, it just spiking shows the football you. now. You're just yeah, spiking. it just shows you that you're like, spiking you, the football connected to some hideous allegations. I, I said I do not back the. Con- I don't. I guys, find it's them. been great, awesome yeah, show. Right, I'll well. see you later. I gotta get out of here. Um. <laughs> Finally, if there's anything else, uh, Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, who's been in the news this week, hamana hamana, and he has an iPhone, Ricky and Connie. Uh, he issued the following, <laughs> he issued the following statement on Tom Brady's retirement. I'll just read, read a piece of it. Hit it, Ricky. I am privileged to have drafted and coached Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor and winner. Tom's humble beginning in professional football ultimately ended with him becoming the best player in NFL history. Blah, 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 blah. Dash Bill Belichick. I just want to tell you something. Belichick is a smart guy. I mean, he's stupid in that one instance that's caused a major issue in the NFL. But otherwise, very shrewd, very smart. This is what you do. It was very small of of Tom, not to mention the Patriots. Bill rolls in with a glowing, glowing statement, and it just makes him look better. Well, he's also doing some damage control right now. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you well, think he, it's connected? Okay, <laughs> interesting. He had a, he had a change the subject. <laughs> he had a very similar statement when when Brady left the the first time. Uh, Brady did respond, you know, in very twenty twenty two fashion, you know, in his Instagram stories, you know, showing that head showing that statement, and then saying "best coach ever." I love you. Heart emoji, heart emoji, heart emoji. So once once you go triple heart emojis, I feel like everything's cool now. Everything's yeah, cool. I think it's it's going to be emotionally taxing to Dan on multiple levels when Brady, with no complaint, rolls into Foxborough and year fill in the blank um, for multiple you know Patriots ceremonies and um, feel good scenarios. Like I just I don't see the grudge um, mm. at this point. I, well, he heard, he heard the feedback because what? he released another video on Thursday and he, he said thank you to all my supporters and teammates and everything. And he but capitalized all... all and it was heavy on Patriots. And I did I did get a note from a, a, a communication professional who, who his theory and he at the was highest levels. No, a friend of mine <laughs> who had worked the highest levels. He said, you'd be surprised like when, when it's stuff like this and it's panicked. He thought it might have just been user error. He really thought it might have been a panicked, like, quick thing, and it wasn't a lot of thought put into it because... Uh, Wait, user error by Tom Brady with his statement? Right. Essentially that, that look, they, they, and that there was a lot of... Wait, uh, who is this guy? That, that wasn't just pressing, like, Control-Alt-Delete by mistake. I mean, he, no, he but put he's, a lot of effort put into that message, I thought. There was a lot of effort, but that it just went out too quickly, and it's like, what? it wasn't really too that well... Is, that is not... Come on, Too Greg. well... You're, who you're is this? Smart a communications dude, on, you professional know told you this? Former, like, a former White House uh, worker. Oh. I'm not going to go even farther than <laughs> But what does he have to do with it? <laughs> He just thought he, he just thought Pentagon? he just thought basically the rapid response of Tom Brady's team was just bad. He's coming back from the other other. Uh, who was this Oliver North had... or something? Were you speaking with Oliver North? I mean, who's the the <laughs> he operative? Had four that days told you this? to cook it up. 
he had, he had a good theory too of like that it Who went so guy? hard on Tampa early because he knew how Brady was feeling very um apologetic that basically the the, the part that Adam Schefter's report coming out really hurt Wait, I'm Brady sorry, you still talking about the communications guy? Yeah, he hadn't told the Bucks. No, I'm saying he hadn't told the Bucks yet and that's what the Schefter Greg, report. Why is hurts. he why must he keep his identity secret it feels like he's just sort of throwing out it's more fun that way it's more fun. all right but is this a friend of yours <laughs> it is. i have no idea what's happening at this point that's what's wow. happening in the news let's take a break and then uh let's head to hollywood <laughs> all right welcome back hit it ricky Hollywood, something, 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 Hollywood, Hollywood, something, something, glitz and glamour and fame. Official lyrics. Here's how it works in the business. I love this. Glitz and glamour. (laughs) I feel like I need a feather boa right now and a martini. You you know, you kind of have the look, Connie, especially now you have the short do compared mm-hmm. to when we first met you and it was long like you could easily if you had like a flapper type get up you would you yep. would look right if you put somebody in those like 1920s shots bang mm-hmm. is anybody right. ever I seen love that? an old hollywood feel like you're an old hollywood aesthetic. flapper that's me the old in your flapper. california room in your house i mean it just it fits too well <laughs> that's true. all right so in in the business as it will be referred to going forward because only people in the business called the business and we're in the business of show this is where greg jumps in well, before we move on we should say one thing <laughs> you have an update on your on your inside source from the white house your communications guy that dude who is he that was good i'm really glad i did that wasn't planned <laughs> um to uh make a movie is a long process but the first thing if you're telling a true story is you need to gain the rights. And Mark's had such a long and winding career as a writer before becoming a NFL network personality. Maybe even Mark investigated this for one of the fascinations he's had in his past. Um, is that true, by the way? Absolutely. Um, I had come up with two concepts that hit a hard wall. Um, one was a adult Nancy Drew who had a major pill issue, um, but she, she had cast off the idea of being a girl investigator to be an adult, but then she comes, she gets pulled back into her true destiny. The second was um, E.T. 2, where like Elliot, Tom, Elliot and Gertie are adults, and um, clearly they're totally fucked up mentally because as kids they met an alien and no one believes them. So it's you know at them in their current state. And both both ideas they were said like the idea um, you're not going to be the person to write it, and you right. certainly are not going to get the rights. Have a nice day. Okay. That, all right. Well, that's is that good. what you're I, speaking to? Or you no. Well, the, the hotspot on this guy thinking he has the rights to ET too. Right. I didn't think I would. But it was, well, I wasn't talking about like that's existing IP ET. Okay. okay. So well, I'm talking about we'll use Kurt Warner again as the example. Kurt Warner. What a story. I want the rights to his story, so I will pay Kurt Warner. Lock that in, so no one else could tell this story. Okay. At least not with his uh, guiding hand. Okay. We're going to tell the story of an NFL team this offseason. Now, this is where it gets tricky. You have to kind of look into the crystal ball a little bit. you got to look at where the team is right now and how things can play out before figuring out who's the story you want to tell. So I, I'll get it going just because it's easier that way, and then we could all get a, a, get a shot at this. Um, 
and this this area of the football universe is sometimes um, not properly uh, the story isn't told. So I'm actually going to shine the light on the NFC South and the Carolina Panthers. Mm. I'm buying the rights to the Carolina Panthers 2022 off season uh, because there are cer- there are several situations, s- several things going on at the same time here. Um, as we've heard for years, David Tepper, since buying the team, he wants results. He wants to be a big fish. He wants to be the NFL version. This is all kind of conjecture and hearsay, but let's buy into it. He wants to be Balmer over in the NBA, the Clippers owner, a guy that comes in, makes a grand entrance, buys uh, the biggest players in free agency, immediately puts together a contender. He's learning, Tepper, that it's hard in the NFL to do such a thing, especially if you don't have a quarterback. So you have this in play, the Sam Darnold drama. It didn't work out with Bridgewater the year before. He needs a quarterback. He's now been waiting uh, for three-plus years since being over, being becoming owner uh, to find a quarterback. So there's a QB panic going on right now, and that could lead to some things, uh, some drastic measures being taken. Now you have the possibility as well of the best player on the team being traded. That is Christian McCaffrey, who has made $30 million over the last two years to play about seven games. Uh, injuries, but when on the field remains an electric presence and arguably the best running back in the game. Could Christian McCaffrey be used as and dangled as a trade chip to bring in the quarterback we want? So we got an angry owner. We got a, a scared as hell head coach who knows he's on very soggy ground right now and a huge hole in the center of the roster. Mm. Give me those rights. Let's follow along with this story because I think there could be some splashes. I would watch I like, that. I like, I like that. it. I mean, I'm anything, thinking of titles. It would get Ely involved. Keep pounding. I would think would be the title. Keep, pound. Keep pounding. <laughs> Keep pounding. Perfect. Man, that is a really nice element to the seg that I wish we would have thought of before. Have a title for the movie. Um, yeah, I'll work on that. I'll workshop that. But keep pounding is the working title. Another industry, more industry jargon. Also remember that the Panthers went hard for Matthew Stafford last year. So they want to find and identify someone like that again this year. All right, Connie, how about you? Okay. Well, I actually do have a title for you. It's a working mm. title. I'm just spitballing here. But my movie would be called How We Doing? And Ugh. we're going to Philadelphia. I know. Shocker. But there's just way too many fun things <laughs> happening there for it to not be a movie. And we've seen so many movies be made about Eagles fans, Philadelphia fan- fans in general. So there's a rich history of movies coming out of that sports city. Silver Linings Playbook, Invincible, who doesn't love those movies? But Howie Roseman is the point of how we doing. The GM We've seen him drunk with power before, and this year I don't think is going to be any different. He has three first-round picks, and with the way that the Eagles' season ended, wonderful that they made the playoffs. The expectations, I don't think, were anywhere near this being a playoff team at the beginning of the season with a brand-new coaching staff and Jalen Hurts finally getting a full season to be the starter. They ended up in the wild-card spot. They got embarrassed in Tampa Bay. And I think that going into that game, I'm not sure a lot of people thought that the Eagles would by chance maybe move on from Jalen Hurts, but 
that game was just so god-awful that I think it sowed some seeds of doubt. So I think his future is super, super interesting. Jalen Hurts, you have the quirky kind of bro head coach and Nick Sirianni that's a mm-hmm. great character. So there's there's a lot to work with there, but really it's just all the drama with the quarterback position because that's mm. all Philadelphia – that's what Philadelphia specializes in is backup quarterback love. And so we'll see what they do with those three first-round picks. But we've seen Howie in the past before make some huge trades and move up. He's not afraid of doing it. He's also not afraid of drafting players that are not high on his scouts' boards, like a guy like Jalen Rager, perhaps, over Justin Jefferson. So, so much drama just already built in. Story writes itself. I Can I interrupt the pitch here? You're, this is the meeting. This is the meeting at Paramount yes. or yep. wherever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the news that Jalen Hurts underwent surgery on his ankle and the fact that he really was a rising talent uh, before he hurt himself? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Eagles probably more than likely are going to say, let's get this guy back to 100% and see if he could build Good. on what was really promising. Medical, medical yeah. drama. Medical uh, drama. It's, they're, well, they're I'm just going to say uh, medical drama if it's a serious surgery, but I, I don't know what, what, the level of the ankle surgery. It just could be – it could lead to a bit of a deflating of the balloon story-wise if it's just like, oh, yeah, he's going to get his ankle done and he'll be okay again. So, so what I would do in that situation, Dan, and you know what? I love the point that you brought up. I it's think you point. obviously Thank you, are really great. You're, you're so talented at this. I, what I would do is use that as a big reveal in the middle of the movie because also you have to consider that Jalen Hurts has never had – Offensive or play callers in the same play caller in back to back seasons. You got to go all the way back to when he was 16 years old, about, and his head coach was his dad. That was the last time. So his offensive coordinators and play callers are constantly changing. There's no continuity. So I think if he's healthy and he's able to kind of get used to an offense and find his rhythm in it and Mm. build upon it, that's how the second part, uh, the second half of the movie ends. And resolves itself. All right, but make the, the whole beginning we're, is filled. We're going to green light it. We're going to green light it. Amazing! That's great. Love it. By the way, I thought of the title of my movie. You know how the uh, like a prestige picture? Uh, it's sometimes like a one word and it's a little ponderous. Mm. My movie is called Pound. <laughs> That's. Wow, <laughs> it's 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 a good sign when you can just start to see it. It's just very easy to visualize, Dan. Which you uh, yeah, all lowercase. Think yeah. it's gritty looking. Yeah, yeah just a big picture of like Matt Rule in a sweatshirt and pound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, any thoughts on Ricky uh, Connie's pitch there? For what was the film called again? Uh, how we doing? Hmm. Well, I like I the title. I think it, that. The title the suggests great. that maybe there could be some elements, some some comedy in there. Right. We need more yeah. comedy. I feel like we yeah. need more comedy. With how do you have it? Do you, oh, that's already taken. I think yeah. To get Jeffrey Lurie's son has been like showing up to the Senior Bowl. Get him more involved with the story. I think um, mm-hmm. that you know that could oh, be. Oh, that's fun. right. Big Hollywood guy. I think right. His son. I, think so. I know Jeffrey well, Je- Lurie is Jeffrey involved. Jeffrey Lurie is. Yeah, yeah. There's Greg has his buddy that works for the Eagles. You could have Greg in a walk-on cameo, provide <laughs> right. some comedy relief. He can bring his mm-hmm. communications professional with him for um, you know to do him a favor after he did us a favor. So <laughs> I, I like that he had, the, the man is a communications professional. And his theory was that Tom Brady forgot the Patriots. User error. Not really so much forgot, but just like, 
you know, uh, it's like in succession, like things happen quickly in these in these situations right. in, in major no PR need to responses. It it's maybe I not like you. that. Maybe less thought goes into it than you thought. You Do know? you have a comedy? Pages, Greg? Right? Yeah, I like it. You know, I think um, I think Philadelphia has been overrepresented at this point in, in football. Movies. Nonsense. What? It's very Eagles fans to like make um, Silver Linings playbook about them when it's like a like a men, you know, it's sort of about like mental health and this relationship. It's like, Ooh. oh, no, it's an Eagles Ouch. drama. It's also all about Eagles fans. It's, it's okay. very much about the Eagles. I know. I'm just. And I, I was an extra. Dan just said, so do you have a comment? I and I, that's yeah. all I had. I didn't know. You were an extra in Silver Linings playbook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were in the uh, the dance competition, right? That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. You can oh, see wow. my arm. It's really my, that was my that. big break. Was Johnny in it too? No, just me. I was like, I got to go do this thing. So it was fun. Who, well, who did you dance with then? Oh, I don't. Just a bunch of randos. That I, once I was there, I was like, this was a terrible decision. Why am I doing this? And I was locked into three days. <laughs> you didn't keep oh, in touch with them. No, oh. they. Uh, yeah, nobody noticed anything. Various male dancing partners over the course of three days. Mm-hmm. Interesting. This one because we're friends extra. with John too, so it's kind of now we're in a tough spot of like, should we tell him? Would I don't be... think we. I don't think we should. It's our place to bring it up. Oh, but he it's... would drop me off, and he'd be like, "Have fun." I don't know why. Yeah, you're but doing he, this. he doesn't know what you're, he's dropping you off with no concept of what you're doing inside the behind the wall of a building. So, I mean, I'm sure it was very pure. You know, I'm sure it was fine. All right, I was you in got a pitch. Room dancing. All right, go do you on. Have, Nobody cares. Do you have a pitch, uh, Greg? Uh, do you have a comedic yeah. pitch? Whatever you got. No, it's not. It's not comedic. It's, yeah. it's more dramatic. Hollywood, something, um, something, Hollywood. We're gonna call this Rocky Mountains. I like it's it. It's a story of power, of intrigue, um, of some of the biggest names uh, in the NFL, and it's in Denver. It starts actually last offseason when lawsuits uh, between the Bolin family start between the Bolin ownership trusts Saucy. different family members very succession like uh, all of those lawsuits and really families breaking apart over money it's it's tough it's a tough thing uh, eventually settled and leaves us to the point where the Broncos are for sale uh, in, in one corner we've got Peyton Manning involved in trying to buy this team um, another subplot: John Elway just uh, just brought up in our news segment. Well, is John, maybe involved we sit in this an, one out. in an ownership, uh, you know, fight. Uh, so this bidding um, is going to be the the centerpiece of the story, but it's not it. We have a, a fresh faced uh, new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett trying to lure one of the marquee stars of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, to come to his town. Amidst all of this ownership drama above him, we got A stories, we got B stories, and uh, and Jerry Judy is our comedic uh, relief. Just a hilarious. He's dude. hilarious. A lot, lot of Jerry Judy. He's comedy. really gifted. Um, He's a physical comedian, is how I would characterize him. Greg, my one comment. On this. Instead of Rocky Mountains, um, it's not a great title. I would go Englewood, not Inglewood, but Englewood, where their player complex mm. is. It's sort of it, it's, interesting. It's kind of strange. We don't know exactly what it is. Out what about it's you know Englewood parenthetical up to no good close parenthetical. Ooh, there we are. See, we're, this is how these this is how these like projects it. start to come together. So it's like hey, you do, don't even you don't even know what the A story is here. Is it the ownership? Uh, some people will sink their teeth into that. Is it the pursuit of Rogers? Others people will per, uh, sink their teeth into that. There, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. The there's a lot. There's juice even beyond. So 
um, the former owner, Pat Boland, passes away. And as Greg's saying, they're siblings and they couldn't figure out who should be leading the way on it. And then on top of it, there was this this other juice. Before Boland, the owner was Edgar Kaiser Jr. And his heirs wanted to go through a loophole and say that they had the right of first refusal to get back in and rebuy the Broncos. And then another part of that, this is good, Greg, because money makes the world go round. As Mrs. Miller said, my social studies teacher at Pearl River Middle School. <laughs> this she coined team, that? I, don't, I doubt that, but that's well, fine. Well, that was her way to express how so many things, how things move in the world, and it's true. The team is valued at just under $4 billion. And right now in North America, uh, Steve Cohen just paid $2.4 billion uh, in 2020 mm. for the Mets. This would go for $4 billion in that neighborhood that's a lot. And by the way, to, to buy in as a um, – in so, on some level, I think Peyton Manning would have to, like, put together over $100 million of his own money, something – maybe even something more than that. So it's, right. it's he would, not they easy. Would, if he or Elway, especially Manning, were involved, maybe as a – you know, it's a, a relatively minor partner or somewhat minor, but might might have a, an executive – type role there's a lot going on and just oh. with all these lawsuits and everything going on, i mean how how that all that billions of money is getting split up is also you know maybe still up for grabs well and greg what's more poetic than we could have a flashback to elway um you know doing what he did to get manning into the building back in the day but now That's it would good. be manning who would help get rogers in so it's there's a lot of there's um, a lot. you know there's a lot what yeah. if there's like and it could connect to the news this week uh, Elway, it's, he needs to to get this done, um, and he knows he needs to look right. So he actually does like an American Psycho type uh, beauty routine, and is like, no one's gonna say I'm gonna look disheveled for this, right? And he like peels his face and does a hundred thousand crunches, and he's in the white boxer briefs, and he just stares in the mirror menacingly for twenty five minutes, and we do it in real time in the movie. That's, that's a another, solid montage. That's the visual that just takes off in the mind. This peeling face mask is for John. <laughs> All the drama with the ownership. I, th- I feel like they need yeah. Lakeisha to bring over her sage and he just would... kind of like burn it in the sage. building. There. I think what you're saying is my movie is box office is what I'm. I think there's a lot. That. I think you're, you're cashing in on the succession angle, which I is did. very big I right am. now. I, I don't watch mm-hmm. Billions um, because I typically steer clear from Showtime. I don't know why. But... Uh, I think that's a similar show that's about As a general money. rule, you I just don't, don't just, watch Showtime? It's, for me, it's like it's HBO or I'm out on the premium cable. Like if, I, it's just, if it doesn't have that HBO stamp of approval, I don't watch it. Wow. Slightly high maintenance, you're not, but I, you're I not don't like hate a, it. You're not like a P-Valley fan on Stars. You know? No, I was going to say, like, who, do any of you watch a show on Stars with a Z? I mean, no, that's not. I actually just purchased upon great recommendation from our friend Lakeisha P Valley for the first season. And I'm excited about it. And that's all right. Get back to us. Let us know how P Valley is. Um, Mark, close this out. All right. Well, you know, not every um, movie needs to detail heroic events necessarily. I mean, a good movie has a lot of conflict in it. So I want to go to an organization um, in massive flux. Um, we're going to be calling this working title Jackie Bang Bang. Um, 
It's going to take place in Houston inside the Texans organization. Perfect. And we're going to look at an organization with a lot of warring elements within, within the building. Um, Jack Easterby to start. The fact that this movie begins right about now where they're making a decision between two potential head, couch, head coaches, Josh McCown or maybe even Brian Flores. Either scenario um, would be highly gripping to observe because number mm. one Josh McCown who was simply a player a couple years ago um, and you could even have a flashback of him on the Eagles when he was there in your movie Colleen to link these two Love together it. but he comes in as a head coach um, in a way that is almost Hollywood-esque there's no resume it's like a very bizarre hire um, or you get Brian Flores returning um, to the head coaching spot which would be incredible an incredible story in itself and then, you know, you've got a quarterback scenario where Deshaun Watson, um, we don't, we, you go in not liking this character and you probably don't like him ever in the whole thing. But he, he was interested in Brian Flores in Miami. That was one of the draws there. Miami. So what, what happens there? Do you start over Miami. with it? Maybe someone steps in and just says, listen, we're going to do the right thing at quarterback. We're going to start over. And you just find someone that comes in again, like a Josh McCown, an unknown. And there's a lot of like, you know, worst to first, um, heroic type stuff happening here, but you've got a, I don't want to call it a bumbling owner, but an owner with some questions to answer on their own front. And Cal McNair, you've got, um, you've got Nick Casario, the second year GM who wants to follow a Patriots plan. They put a bunch of one year contract dudes out there, but now everything starts to come come together and this laughing stock turns into something else. And maybe along the way, we learn that Jack Easterby um, painted as a total villain is he more? Is that all he is? Do we learn about him? Mm. Is there character transformation here? And we leave the film thinking, maybe this Easterby guy had it right all along, or maybe not. There's just a lot to learn about this team. And I would say, yeah, you know, going is- behind the curtain of the Texans is fascinating. Yes. And I do say, because I just rewatched randomly the pilot of Friday Night Lights, the television show, and maybe Josh McCown could be played up as a almost like a Matt Saracen type where he's like a he's he's a Mm. an innocent almost and he's he just loves ball and he just was coaching the high school son's uh high school football team as an assistant and he's wide-eyed and he he just wants a shot but and then it's like the the personality of saracen but the looks of tim riggins that's 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 what i mean josh mccown is made for cinema i mean the hair the the jawline jawline. right i mean he's perfect for this you don't need to cast it with some you know ham and egger you just put him in it and imagine all the opportunities that you'll have for flashbacks. I mean, the Dwayne Brown trade to Seattle and all of the drama was going on there. Was it Ryan Mallett that was he the quarterback that overslept and missed like the team bus for a, <laughs> well, for a game yeah, or something? Was it him? I can't remember. I don't know if that's like one of the top moments in their history Wait, that we'd flashback. It was one of my favorites. It was fun. It was fun. Because there, yeah. there is a narrative thread that might bog down the film a little bit. Mm, or... Okay like ramp up the stakes and make it more interesting. Did you mention Deshaun Watson? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's were you, were you sleeping during that part of the pitch? Oh, it was, a, it was a rambling, you're like the, the 4:30 PM uh, Friday meeting where right, the guys right. have been getting pitches all day. People mentally left the building, you know, a half an hour ago, I get that, but um, we could get, you know, our friend, Seth Payne, you imagine we open, you know, with him in his studio with all these fans calling in. They're furious at the Texans. The thing is a disaster. And there's a lot of Seth Payne through it. And like, but then he has to, if the team starts to rise, you get your, you are in that firsthand look at Seth Payne and the radio show, having to look at this team differently. We're starting to fall for them. So, you know, it's very heartwarming. And Seth will take the job. Seth is the uh, audience conduit here. 
Right. Like, He's doing a yeah. lot of the narrative heavy lifting, which the announcers yeah. in sports movies often do. They right. are really like explaining a lot of, of what just happened. I like that. That's cool. You could bring in Lance Erline too, to help with things. I, I mean, I don't know if McCown's going to have Houston. the time to act in the movie starring himself while he's also mm. being a head coach priorities. But, um, but that's for another day. We could also have um, Dolph Lundgren play Josh McCown's father. Right. And they or could, it's a movie about creating a movie there. about the Texans where Josh McCown mm. is actually the coach, but also an actor playing himself as coach. It's very meta. Um, you have no idea what's reality, what's not. It breaks into documentary. It then has you know featurettes that are fictional. We're all over Football the place. Football Inception, yes. It's very, yeah. Yeah, very Sinodect New York, or however you pronounce that movie, which... It's also even filmed for, in, even for me was too much. It we can film much. it in reverse order, like Memento. That's the next thing I right. do with it. All right, yeah, we'll, so, we'll, we'll film it in Vancouver thing. to save money. That's true. Yeah, but we could sub in Vancouver, Houston. Anyway, let's let's wrap this up. <laughs> the um, the four films all greenlit, by the way. Oh wow! Great. Wow. Here in Hollywood, they're handing out money like it's nothing here in Tinseltown. See. Uh, there's, there's the gritty um, drama, Pound, all lowercase. Uh, there is the Eagles feel-good tale, How You Doing? How We, like How Howie Roseman. How we oh, How <laughs> they had How just We Got, got Here, they I don't just know. just got it. I was like, I thought How You Doing is like a Brooklyn thing, but I don't know Philadelphia too well. <laughs> I didn't let them have it. that until now. It's... <laughs> Wait, you so got to get the title right because that's so it's stylized. About, it was mostly uh, about the title. It was mostly the title. Did everyone yeah. else get that? I didn't get that till no, she explained that. Obviously, that's my. That. that you know, that's on me, and I take full yeah. responsibility. I was with you all along, Connie. The right people got it, Connie. <laughs> does it pass the billboard test? <laughs> like if I it says Howie doing, Howie. It's just funny too because yeah. like thinking of Howie on the billboard is just there's that's that'll pack him in at the mall. Well, like. Goodwill Hunting sexy, is literally the worst movie title attention. ever. And that's a great Okay, film. pound. Hey, that's gritty. <laughs> we have Anglewood, open parenthetical, up to no good, close parenthetical. That's up to you. That's your project. It's your project, Greg. That's just the the workshop within the meeting. You could lose the parenthetical, but you might lose some funding as well. I'm fine with the. I don't have a. I don't have anything better. All I had, you know, all I had was Rocky Mountain, Some which funding. was pretty rough. So, and then uh, Jackie Bang Bang on the Texans, right? Filmed in Bang reverse order, by the way. Jackie Bang Bang. It's a documentary within a film within a documentary filmed in reverse order. Oh, oh I, I just got the Jack Easterby part of Jackie. Yeah, see, yeah. I was Jackie a little Bang slow. Bang because on the oh, side, Jackie got it. Jackie Easterby, we learn, is also committing. Um, I, I think it's to excise sort of um, inner demons. He, he commits small crimes all around Houston. Um, you know, t- sticks up small convenience stores and things on the side. And by well, the way, you're going to need Frank Signetti to come no, of in. Of course. No, he's, he's <laughs> an <laughs> investigate. Page and just 40, so you guys there. know, um, Pound is a hard R. How we doing <laughs> is PG-13. Angle it up to no good. They're, they're not sure yet. It might be PG-13. It could go R. Jackie, Jackie Bang Bang is uh, NC-17 at best. Thank you. Jackie Bang Bang. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's like a surprising amount of nudity in Jackie Bang Bang. Well, To right, the point right. where you're wondering about the man behind the project, what he's seeking to accomplish right. truly. It's like. It's well, like oh, it's like we oh, we get it. We're we're very progressive. Lots of full male nudity, but like you know, there's, there's sometimes there's too much. 
It's like a well, ton we're of dogs. Shopping that angle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We are um, we're done for the week. No Sunday show for the first time. I gotta, I'd be. I gotta say this before we move on. What? I gotta be Greg for a second. I have had my finger on the on the trigger all show, and you guys didn't even come close to saying the word that we weren't allowed to ah, say. Ah, yes. It would have been way more fun if you guys had slipped up or whatever. I feel like we need to do this again. Well, had to be real. I'll start the show dealing, over. You're dealing with professionals here, so you know we understood that. Right, you know. but I thought I thought you guys might slip up, and it would add a little show. Like, so you so just want like, to shoot. You want to shoot Greg in the neck with that dart, don't you? Yeah, I thought he would be like, oh, and then you know, do you Denver want to say it, goes Greg? all the Super way to Bowl. The Super Bowl. Shoot him. Oh, ah. <laughs> oh that's gory. Uh, next time you hear from us, it will be Tuesday. We're going to be – we're not getting on a plane. Uh, we are going to be right here in Los Angeles, site of blank, blank, 56. <clears throat> and see, if you wouldn't have jumped in there, Ricky, I would have absolutely said it just now. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if it had come up, it's just we were talking about movies. So yeah. That's, that's really it. So we're going to be at Radio Row Tuesday – a show we'll have a show for you Tuesday so no show Sunday no show Monday uh, Wednesday we'll have a show for you and then Friday we got a double dip for you we have the around the NFL broadcast Super Bowl special on NFL Network and also our annual Friday uh, Super Bowl <laughs> see <laughs> yes this is great I didn't say the second word I don't know if that I took the dart anyway but right in the jugular uh, our preview of the game. And then, of course, Sunday night, the recap of the big game. And maybe some surprises along the way. So thank you. Rick, uh, Connie, you've said it all. Thanks, Dan. And if you're going, I'm sure you had to raise that seat about two feet. If you could just return the seat to Whoa. its prior uh, spot. I actually had to lower the seat, and now I'm putting my feet on the desk. That's just disrespect. How do you like that? I don't like the disrespect. Is that gum on the bottom of your shoe? What is Ow. That? No, that's just the way that oh, it okay. is. Okay, okay. Let also, me... you know, please clean up the workspace around you. Don't leave, you know, wrappers, bottles of water. It's not, it's not someone else's job to I'll be sure to, to leave that. you guys some notes. Let I'll, us I'll back in it. our studio. <laughs> please, whoever's listening. All right, that's it. Thank you to everybody for listening. Have a great weekend. Um, and gang, we'll see you on Saturday and Ricky as well as we celebrate the great Chris Wessling, who is known to say uh, a phrase that we all have come to admire. Greg even has it tattooed on his arm. Heed the call.